Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle. Rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could tune in. And guess what? Today is our 300th episode of Go Green Radio. So it's kind of a Big day for us, and we are very excited to have Todd Larson on with us as our guest today. He is representing Green America. You can check out their website at greenamerica.org. And they have just launched a brand new campaign called Restore It, and it's all about regenerative agriculture. And I'm excited to have him share with us a, a lot about that topic and what they're specifically doing with their campaign. Um, Todd, welcome to Go Green Radio. I'm so glad you could be on the show today. Well, thank you so much for having me on as a guest. You bet. Now, before we talk about your new campaign um, that your organization has just launched, I'd like to give you a chance to tell our listeners about your organization, Green America. Talk to us a little bit about your mission, some of the work that you do, and a little bit of the organization's history. Sure. Well, Green America is a 30-year-old organization, um, and we work to create a green economy in the United States and around the world. So what we mean by that is that we use the voices of consumers, businesses, and investors um, to create an economy that actually works for both people and the planet. And it's important for us that we always work to promote both environmental sustainability and social justice at the same time. So practically speaking, what that means for us is that we reach out directly, for example, to consumers and we give them tips and strategies to green their lives, to green their homes, and to green their purchasing as well. And then we also work with consumers to use their voices to try and convince large corporations that they should green their practices and offer healthier, safer products, uh, reduce their energy consumption, and just create a greener world through their supply chains as well. And we also support the smallest uh, green businesses out there, the innovators. We have a business network with over 2,500 small businesses nationwide that are leaders in producing products that benefit workers, that benefit the environment, and are good for consumers. And we encourage people to support those small businesses that are out there. And we finally, we also work with um, large corporations directly and try to help them green their supply chains and create more social justice within their supply chains. And what's exciting for us is that our work is not dependent on what's going on in Washington, D.C., because we're working directly with economic actors to produce a green economy, no matter what goes on in the nation's capital. I love that. And I love the integration of the idea of the power of the purse, you know, that consumers can move the needle. And if if they prefer a product or a business practice and they put their purchasing power to work, they can create change. And I love that. I think that's fantastic. Now, let's dive into discussing the Restore It campaign that you just launched. I think that it is entirely possible that many people don't know that there's even a problem with our soil. And I'd love for you to talk to us about what's going on with the Earth's soil and why this is a huge concern for all of us. Well, absolutely. Um, Over the past 100 to 200 years, as we've ramped up modern industrial farming practices in the United States and other industrialized countries first, but then all over the world as well, 
Um, we've increased the use of things like synthetic nitrogen, um, phosphates from mining, um, synthetic po- uh, pesticides, um, and these were used to boost agricultural production around the world. Um, and the way you do that is you actually plant monocultures. So you plant giant fields only of corn or giant fields of soil, of soy, particularly in the United States. Acres upon acres, hundreds of acres of just one crop. And then you use these inputs uh, that don't come from nature, uh, that actually come from industrial processes, and you put those into the soil and then you use a ton of water as well. And that's how we practice modern farming, actually, in the United States and increasingly around the world. So you're not actually using soil in its real capacity. It's not living soil. What you're doing is converting it into dirt, literally just dirt that holds up plants and takes in inputs. And as a result, uh, a third of our soil worldwide that's meant to be used for farming is now seriously degraded. And the UN is finding that within the next 60 years, we could literally degrade all of our farming soil around the world. And that's a a huge crisis. So the system we have right now, it did increase yields in the short term, but obviously it's at a huge cost. And not only are we degrading the soil, but these modern farming practices are actually releasing carbon into the atmosphere. Um, so we're, we're killing our soil, we're releasing carbon into the atmosphere, we're draining our aquifers because we use massive amounts of water for this kind of uh, farming practices. And then in turn, there's a tremendous amount of runoff from this kind of farming uh, and toxins going into our lakes and streams. So we're actually polluting our water at the same time. Mm-hmm. And we use massive amounts of fossil fuels to produce the inputs that I described, the nitrogen, the pesticides, the herbicides. Um, so that's why farming is now one of the major drivers of climate change in the world. And instead, if we practiced regenerative agriculture, if we replenish the soil, farming could actually be a solution to climate change. And so that's the choice we have before us and the choice we need to make. Well, and let's just say for the sake of argument that we don't do anything about it, and we let the soil go in the direction that it's going now. What's the danger of that? I mean, how would that impact humankind? That's a really good question. Um, Healthy soil really is the basis of agriculture in the world and has been for the past 10,000 years that we've practiced agriculture. And we really need to feed the soil in order to feed ourselves. Because an incredible 95% of the food that we eat is actually traced to soils. And as I mentioned, you know, the chemical intensive agriculture is destroying those soils. We've lost a third of our soil to serious degradation. So the risk is if we continue down this pathway and we degrade um, much of our soils over the next 50 to 60 years, that would actually produce catastrophic results worldwide because, as you know, the world's population is growing. It could grow by another 2 billion people or more, but at the same time, we'd be losing our capacity to feed these people. Mm -hmm. At the same time, beyond that, we're obviously also releasing huge amounts of carbon into the air because degraded soil actually releases carbon, whereas healthy soil actually retains um, carbon, and that's driving climate change, and climate change in turn actually drives soil erosion. So it's actually a feedback loop, a very negative feedback loop with huge consequences as well. Mm -hmm. 
And well, so, and I've also it, read yeah. as well that, you know, when the soil is depleted of nutrients, as we we're discussing, the the nutritional value of the the food that is grown in that type of soil is diminished. So even if we were producing a lot of food, that doesn't necessarily mean we're producing the same amount of nutrition to feed our bodies as we might have been, you know, years ago before you know, the soil was so depleted by chemicals and what have you. Um, So let's talk a little bit about regenerative agriculture, because that's the focus of Green America's campaign. What exactly is regenerative agriculture and how does it differ from the kind of farming that's currently happening in the U.S. and around the world? Well, regenerative agriculture is really the practice of farming that's designed to preserve and nurture the soil. Um, So as you probably know, healthy soils are complex systems. They have millions of living things in them as opposed to dead dirt. And so farming, it should be working with natural systems, not against them. We shouldn't be fighting against nature. We should be using nature to our advantage to have healthy farms and healthy soil. And when regenerative agriculture does this by such practices as lower no-tillage, so instead of tilling the soil, churning it up, which releases carbon, you actually uh, disturb the soil as little as possible to deplanting, uh, using things like mulch. Uh, which can actually combat weeds and also actually feed the soil. Um, Planting things like cover crops, instead of just monoculture, you actually plant cover crops as well, things like legumes and barley and peas and clover that nurture the soil that can be um, used to control weeds. And also these are crops that you can actually use in foods that we sell to people and diversify our food stream as well. Uh, using more perennial plants. Uh, Perennials, uh, plants that live for multiple years, are better at actually sequestering carbon than annuals. And so if you had more perennials involved in farming, things like berries and trees, that actually does keep carbon in the ground better as well. Of course, removing those toxic chemicals, um, those are killing the soil and they're also not good for us. They end up in our food as well and they're really bad for farmers who work the land. Um, Using things like organic fertilizers, including compost and animal manure, which is traditionally how farms actually used fertilizer and fertilize the land, going back to that actually also produces healthier soils. And lastly, when you're raising animals on the land, and we raise a huge number of animals worldwide for consumption, um, mimicking the way that wild herds actually roam the land, herbivores, if you actually let animals out in that form and fashion uh, onto the land and let them actually naturally graze, you're actually reducing carbon dramatically, and it actually offsets Uh, the carbon that comes from the methane emitted by those animals, and you're actually preserving the land as well. So you're probably hearing that a lot of these practices are ones that have been around for a long time and are practiced by many traditional farmers all over the world, and that's true. And so we're going to be bringing back a number of farming practices that worked over the last 10,000 years. And at the same time, we now have a better scientific understanding of why those practices work, so we can actually enhance and build on traditional practices worldwide to make them more successful. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be a major undertaking, so there's got to be... You know, there will be multiple touch points that will get people involved in this. But for those who are concerned about climate change, talk to us about the impact that regenerative agriculture could have on climate change. 
Well, it can have a huge impact. Um, As we all know, uh, one of the things we need to do to combat climate change and to reduce climate emissions is a rapid change to clean energy sources. And that's extremely important, and we, we can try it, and we can actually get to renewable energy as a primary source of electricity in the world by 2050. But even if we do that, so that we're not putting carbon into the atmosphere from generating electricity, we're still faced with the fact that we've already put a tremendous amount of carbon into the atmosphere and more will actually go into the atmosphere as we transition to a clean energy economy. So we're looking at, you know, being at right now 400 parts per million of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and that could certainly rise to even 450 parts per million over the next few decades. So what we need to do is draw that carbon out of the earth, I mean, out of the atmosphere into the earth. And soils are one of the greatest carbon sinks available to us um, after oceans. And oceans have already done their carbon absorption. They actually have too much carbon dioxide in them. So what we really need to do is rely on land, on soil. And that's where regenerative agriculture can play such a huge role. So since That started, is so exciting. And actually... Yeah. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, I want you to break it down for us and talk to us exactly about how the soil can serve as that very valuable carbon sink. So don't go away, folks. We've got much more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. Thank you. 
You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us. And if you've just tuned in, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Todd Larson. He's the Executive Co-Director for Consumer and Corporate Engagement for an organization called Green America. And you can check out their website by opening up a new tab in your web browser. Keep listening to us on voiceamerica.com in this web browser, but you can open up a new tab and go to www.greenamerica.org. And just before the break, we were talking about the impact that regenerative agriculture could have on climate change. And Todd was explaining to us what an amazing carbon sink the soil could be if we take good care of it. So Todd, I want to let you finish what you were describing before we went to a commercial break. Absolutely. Um, so as we were saying, uh, the soil is an amazing uh, way to draw carbon out of the atmosphere back into the soil where it belongs. And since we started industrial agriculture due to clearing the lands and modern agricultural practices, we've actually released 136 gigatons of carbon out of the soil. That's a huge amount. So when you look at what we need to do to reabsorb carbon and um, mitigate the impacts of climate change, if we're talking about trying to reduce um, climate change by 50 parts per million, for example, we need to draw down 106 gigatons of carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. So clearly we can do it because we released 136 out. Mm -hmm. Now we have to pull 106 or more back in. And basically, if you look at the the numbers, you need about a billion acres of land, which sounds enormous, to draw Mm -hmm. down about 24 gigatons of carbon dioxide. So that sounds like really large. But when you look at the amount of land that's dedicated to crops and grassland for grazing, we're talking about 12 billion acres worldwide. So a huge amount of land is actually dedicated to agriculture and grazing in the world. So if we actually adopted regenerative practices on that land, we can more than draw down the carbon that we need to do and um, pull us back to a place uh, where uh, climate change is really mitigated and the worst impacts of climate change won't happen. And in addition to farming and croplands, um, pasturing of uh, animals in a way that's actually regenerative, we should also be looking at forests as well. Um, so if we can preserve our forests and regenerate our forests, those are actually enormous carbon sinks as well. And if we do all of that, farming, grazing, and forests together, we really can restore the earth back to a healthy balance. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, besides keeping greenhouse gases out of the atmosphere, talk to us about some of the other benefits that could be realized if we increase the soil's capacity to store carbon. What other benefits might we see? 
Well, there are huge benefits for uh, water around the world. Um, so in addition to a climate crisis, we actually have a water crisis in the United States. Um, there's a lot of water, obviously, in the world. Most of the earth is actually water, but not much of the water out there is actually fresh water that can be used for drinking and farming and so forth. It's, it's a very small percentage, less than 1% of the water out there is good for those things. And what's happening now is that modern farming is drawing on that water supply, those aquifers in particular, and draining them rapidly. And once they're gone, they're gone. So the big problem we have here is that we need to change our farming so that the soil retains water, it stops water runoff, and regenerative agriculture does that for us as well. So we'll have cleaner, safer water and more water available to us for our needs. Mm-hmm. And you're talking to somebody sorry. that lives in California, oh. and I'm very sensitive to that. And in fact, what you mentioned in terms of drawing down the aquifers, we ha- we saw that in the Central Valley of California, where, uh, of course, a lot of our agricultural um, industry resides in the Central Valley. And as the aquifers during the drought were being drawn upon in huge quantities, beyond which they normally would have been, the the ground was actually collapsing by several inches and in some cases more than a foot. And when you see that happen, that is underwater capacity to store water, like you said, it's gone. Uh, Once that collapses, once the aquifer, you know, begins to collapse in that way, there's no restoring it. Your aquifer and your groundwater capacity has just been lost um, forever. So I'm very sensitive to that, and I've seen it with my own eyes. I'd love to ask you, Todd, what do farmers think about regenerative agriculture? After all, they're the ones that will be living with this if we make this transition. Do they have any um, opinions out there in any sort of official capacity? Oh, absolutely. And uh, the farmers who've either been practicing regenerative agriculture all along or, or, or forms of it and the ones who've actually transitioned to it quickly see the benefits or already are experiencing the benefits. So they're seeing um, lower costs of their inputs. They're seeing better yields. They're seeing um, that they're not having the problems with super weeds that are developing an industrial agriculture. Uh, also, those farmers benefit from the fact that consumer tastes are shifting to organic, non-GMO, healthy, and local produce, and they're perfectly positioned to take advantage of that well. So these are, you know, and farmers in general are stewards of the land. They take tremendous pride in what they're doing. Um, They want to see themselves as somebody who's stewarding the land for future generations, and the best way to do that, of course, is going to be regenerative agriculture. Mm -hmm. So at the same time, I think it's really important that we not demonize farmers in any way who are actually practicing industrial agriculture because for generations we've all been told this is the best way to do farming. You're going to get the best yields. You're going to get the most certain yields. Um, And we certainly don't want to have this be a situation where farmers feel like elite consumers from the coast are telling them Mm -hmm. how to actually practice farming as if we know better than they do. That's not helpful uh, at all. What is helpful is for us all collectively to be supportive of farmers who move towards regenerative practices. It's not going to happen overnight. Um, Farming is a very high-risk profession, no matter how you practice farming. And we really need more support for farmers. And in particular, we need support for small-scale farmers who are working to be regenerative with their land and actually 
provide us as consumers with organic, non-GMO, healthy foods. Well, and you know, when you talk about support, uh, my mind immediately goes to farm bills. You know, that's something that we always hear about, you know, when those come up. And and there is a public policy aspect to this because the way that farming works now is driven in large measure by public policy. What kind of public policy changes need to be made in order to help and support farmers as they invest in changing their farming practices to uh, regenerative practices? Well, I think there's a lot that can be done uh, through public policy. So if you look at the federal level, um, there are programs that exist to support organic farming. And, for example, already in the United States, that could be expanded to support regenerative uh, farming as well. Um, And we've seen the federal government do some things that are actually helpful to moving things in the right direction. So, for example, um, recently there was... um, the transitional organic standard. So it's very expensive for farmers to go from conventional to organic farming, and it's highly risky. So if you actually certify farmers who are making that transition and give them price supports to get them to that place where they can go from conventional to organic, that's really helpful. And there's a lot the federal government could be doing to help farmers in turn then go to regenerative agriculture, where it's a practice of really nourishing the soils. Um, So, for example, one thing we could do is just look at the crop insurance program in the United States. Right now, you know, crop insurance is out there. It's an important thing. It protects farmers from severe weather or bad years of production, but it doesn't take into account things like soil quality. So if we actually factored soil quality into crop insurance and, um, you know, rewarded farmers for actually preserving the soil, which is a way to mitigate loss in the future, that would, uh, you know, open the door for better conservation outcomes collectively for all of us. And right now also crop insurance doesn't uh, support using cover crops. And so that's really a big problem is that we need to change the way we insure farmers so that they're actually encouraged to do things like plant cover crops to regenerate the soil as well. And then it's not just the federal government. Of course, state and local governments can do these things as well and are often bigger innovators um, about supporting farmers than the federal government. So at the state and local level, um, there can be a lot of support for moving to regenerative agriculture. And then like at Green America, we always say we can't wait for the government always. So it's important mm-hmm. for us to also as consumers uh, use our voices to say we support regenerative uh, agriculture. And consumers have really driven a lot of changes in the food movement over the last decade in terms of increases in organic practices, non-GMO, local foods. That's largely driven by consumers and their preferences. So again, we can show a preference for regenerative agriculture and companies that meet that preference get rewarded. Well, and that's a great question because your campaign is aimed at consumers. How can consumers play a role in the regenerative ag movement? I mean, how would we know um, that we're spending our dollars and, you know, lending our support to that movement? Yeah, that's a really good question because not many things right now, you don't go to the, the grocery store and see something labeled, this is you know, a certified regenerative product. So this is uh, very similar to where organics were uh, in the past or in 
I've also worked in the fair trade movement. This is very similar to that too, where it's, it's, we're at the birth of something that's very important. And so the role that consumers can play here is direct support for local farmers that are practicing regenerative agriculture. And there are many of them. And through things like CSAs, um, consumer supported agriculture, um, where you purchase a share in the farmer's crops over the year and get regular deliveries each week or through farmer's markets, you can directly do that. Um, you can support biodynamic foods that are already grown, and those have the Demeter certification, so you can look for that. Biodynamic and regenerative agriculture overlap in a lot of important ways, and so that's very good to support biodynamic foods that are already out there. Um, at farmer's markets, at your local grocery stores, you can encourage them to stock foods that are actually pra- uh, grown with regenerative practices. Uh, you can do work in your local communities to educate people about the importance of this issue. And we're encouraging, we're going to be encouraging people to actually uh, do climate gardening themselves. So you can actually grow in your backyard or in community gardens, uh, gardens that actually practice regenerative practices. And that way you can educate your community, you can educate kids and have a real hands-on experience of this is why this is so important. And those kind of experiences really get people on board and energize them to ask for this in their food system. Mm -hmm. I love it. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but we have so much more to talk about with Todd Larson. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. I'm so pleased that you could all tune in. And if you're loving Go Green Radio, and I hope you are, I want you to remember something. It's just a tiny portion of a much bigger organization. Fifteen years ago, I founded the Go Green Initiative, and it is an environmental education program that is working with schools. We actually have schools in all 50 U.S. states and in 73 countries around the world that have registered with the Go Green Initiative. And the program is free to all schools, and we help them do two things – 
First, conserve natural resources for future generations. And second, protect children's health from environmental pollutants. That's what we're all about. And if you'd like to get in on that, we would love to have you as part of our network, part of the team. Go to gogreeninitiative.org and you'll find everything you need in order to get involved. And we'd love that. So our guest today is Todd Larson, and he comes to us from another great nonprofit organization called Green America. Their website is greenamerica.org. We've been talking about regenerative agriculture, and, and as he mentioned in the last segment, we're kind of at the birth of this movement. It's just beginning. So each of you has a chance to be in on it from the ground floor. Now, Todd... I have to ask this question because this is something that, you know, can be really hard for organizations like ours who have a passion for various issues. Everyday people are being asked to care about and act on a whole lot of issues these days. There are causes and campaigns of every sort that show up in our social media feeds 24-7. How do you explain to the average person why regenerative agriculture should rise to the top and be one of the causes that they support. Well, sure, and you're absolutely right. There's so much for us to be active about these days, and uh, we're seeing huge amounts of activism on the part of the American people, which is really exciting. Um, But regenerative agriculture, I think, should rise to the top for anyone because what we're talking about here is food. Um, And food is one of the basic necessities of life that we all rely on and and many of us really enjoy. So uh, if people care deeply about food, which we've seen over and over again, they do, and it's an area where um, people and consumers have used their voice the most in the last 10 years, then here's an issue that should affect and, and will affect everyone, and they should use their voice as much as possible. Because, as we've been saying, if you change our agricultural system to regenerative agriculture, it means that we will have a safe and secure food supply for generations to come, which is really important. And it also means our foods are going to be healthier and safer to eat. The more we uh, rely on natural systems, the more we move away from toxic pesticides, the more we're going to have foods that are higher in nutrition and lower in chemicals, um, and that's better for all of us. And so this is uh, something that builds on the growing consumer interest in food and really takes it to the next level where it needs to be. I love it. And, you know, when I was a kid... Uh, a lot of the things that we were fed, I'm not sure how much food was actually in our food. I mean, there was so much processed stuff and quick, easy meals were the the rage. That was the modern way to be in the kitchen. And I am so excited to see this food revolution going on where people are much more concerned, much more aware of what they're putting on the table. Um, And I love it. Now, at first blush, Todd, it might seem like trying to revolutionize something as big as the agricultural industry is an almost impossibly lofty goal. But your organization has a long list of really substantive victories within the food industry. And I'd love to give you time to share two or three of the issues that Green America has worked on, and they have actually resulted in big shifts in industry practices. 
Sure. And with Green America, um, always when we when we work on an issue, it means that all of our members and the people who support us and follow us are actually the drivers of those issues. So it really comes back to individuals. These these are the um, gains that individuals and innovative businesses have actually made in the past twenty or so years. So Green America and our members and our business members were really at the forefront, for example, of the organic movement, which was tiny. 20 years ago, it was actually fairly difficult to find organic food. Um, and we really put that front and center, that this is the way we need to be doing um, modern agriculture. We need to be moving away from those chemicals. We need to be doing organic practices. And the consumer demand, as well as the innovators in the field, they actually drove that to a point where now you can buy uh, organic groceries literally anywhere. Uh, in any grocery store, you'll see an organic section that's pretty robust. And more and more people are actually turning to organic. So that's very exciting. And we saw the same thing with non-GMO. And we saw people concerned about the GMOs themselves. But perhaps most importantly, GMOs really are just a method to put more poison on land because uh, GMOs always pair with pesticides and herbicides. And so we saw that there was a growing use of glyphosate going through the roof, which we now know is extremely toxic and actually can cause cancer. So we saw that and we saw consumers seeing that that's a real problem and we organized those consumer voices to speak out to large corporations like General Mills and Mars and other big players and we're seeing them moving away from things like GMOs and artificial chemicals and towards uh, producing products that actually rely on truly natural ingredients and even organic ingredients that people understand and can pronounce. And that's a huge sea change that we're seeing in our food systems, even from the largest players at this point in time. And that's entirely driven by consumers. And Green America is one of the organizations that we're happy to have helped organize those consumers and use their voice to get those kind of changes. And that's why we're excited now about using that consumer voice to push forward for regenerative agriculture, really nourishing the soils. That That is so amazing. And I, I love some of the resources that you have on your website, and I'm going to be recommending them uh, to my network. I'd love to talk to you a little bit about them because they're fantastic. You have the Green American Magazine. Talk to us about what's you know, what's involved in that and what users might expect to see in that publication. Sure. The Green America magazine goes out to all of our supporting members. Uh, We publish that three or four times a year. And what we really do in that magazine is take a deep dive into a particular issue. It could be a deep dive into water, for example, and what we need to do to save our water supply. It could be regenerative agriculture, which we've done issues on. Uh, There's a whole range of issues that we talk about in that magazine. And we give you the overview of what the problems are, what the solutions are. And we're also really careful to always tell people, here's how you can be a part of the solution. Here's how you can use your voice at the local level as a consumer, what you can do to actually promote positive change in the world. So it's very much focused on that, um, you using your voice in the world. Love it. It's so practical. And what about the National Green Pages? I ran across that on your website. Talk to us about that publication. Sure. Well, the National Green Pages has been around for a little over 20 years at this point. And what it is is a green living source book. 
So we give people the tips and strategies that they need to green their life, whether you're remodeling your home or you're buying food or you're looking for transportation solutions. We give you tips and strategies to help you make that transition and make it easy for you. And then also it has listings of the business members of Green America that I mentioned earlier. We have about over 2,000 businesses uh, that belong to Green America. We certify them as authentically green businesses, and then we encourage people to buy from those because those are the leaders right now. They're the ones who are innovating the new products that are on the green horizon. They're the ones who are practicing their business in a way where they're supporting workers, whether in the United States or overseas. They're supporting their communities. They're minimizing uh, their environmental impacts and actually supporting the Earth's ecosystems. So these are the businesses that we all need to be supporting because they're the ones who are showing us how we can have a green economy that actually functions. So the Green Pages does all of that. That's fantastic. And then I also ran across the Guide to Socially Investing and Better Banking. Uh, what, What could we expect to find in that guide? Well, that's a way to help people see that um, a lot of us uh, buy green or try to buy green as much as we can, but at the same time, our investments might be working against us. So if you're buying like the best organic produce, for example, but your investments are with mega banks, uh, your banking, and your money is going into mutual funds that invest in things like Monsanto and other corporations that are actually working against uh, organic and regenerative agriculture in the United States states, then your money is actually working against you. And so what we're trying to show people over the last 20 years, and more and more Americans are doing this, is how you can put your money into socially responsible investing, into mutual funds that are investing in the better companies and promoting solutions uh, through their investments, how you can put your money into local banks and credit unions that are actually working to develop their local communities and have thriving local communities instead of mega banks that are actually investing in fossil fuels and destructive practices. So we've been educating people about that for the last 20 years, and um, we've seen billions and billions of dollars moving in a positive direction. That is fantastic. And I think that it's having an impact on some of the mega banks as well, because I'm starting to see a lot more um, press releases and what have you coming out of some of these financial institutions um, in, a, in an effort to sort of alter their portfolios. So I, I think I think it's moving in the right direction. Now, I, I ran across a toolkit on your website that I am wild about. I think it's fantastic. It's called the Vote With Your Dollar Toolkit. And I'd like for you to give us an overview of, of the various categories that are involved in that toolkit. The first one is Vote With Your Clothes. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, um, I don't know. Many people understand that a big problem with clothing is sweatshops, and that's true. That is a huge problem. So one of the things we first tell people to do is how to buy clothing so that you are not supporting um, sweatshops uh, overseas and instead supporting worker empowerment. Um, So we give people strategies around buying clothing that's actually fairly traded, that's actually also grown in um, ways that – produced in ways that don't actually harm the earth. So as you might know, 
lot of cotton clothing is actually produced in a way that uses intense amounts of pesticides. And Mm -hmm. so we warn people about that and how you can buy things like organic cotton clothing, got certified clothing, um, and also used clothing. I mean, obviously, used clothing is one of the best ways that you can reduce your impacts because it's already um, been purchased by someone else and used by someone else. So you're not actually contributing to all of the impacts on the earth or any of the labor conditions when you buy used. So we give people a lot of strategies for finding clothing that's stylish, that's interesting, that meets their needs, but is also good for people on the planet. Love it. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have so much more to talk about with Todd Larson from Green America. So don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh, yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us. In case you are just joining us, our guest today is Todd Larson from Green America. We began by talking about their brand new Restore It campaign, which has to do with regenerative agriculture. But um, I've moved into talking a little bit more broadly about all the many things that Green America has to offer. And one of them is really cool. You have a, a grant program for small businesses. Todd, talk to us about that program, because I know a lot of our listeners might be interested in applying. Absolutely. So that's the uh, People and Planet Award. Um, So what it is, is every um, 
six months or so, we have a category for um, businesses where um, we want to promote, like, say, energy savings or, or organic agriculture or whatever it might be. And we ask the public to actually nominate small businesses that are leaders in that area. So we take nominations. Then we have a panel of judges. You narrow those nominations down to three. And then we ask um, people to actually five, sorry. And then we ask people to vote on those uh, leaders and pick the three winners that they would like to see receive a $5,000 grant from Green America. So we give those grants to those companies and they can use it any way they want. And for the most part, those companies use it in incredible ways. Um, they, you know, like they reach these for public education to reach out to school children and get them on board with green practices. They use it to support their local communities. They do really inma- amazing, innovative stuff with these $5,000 grants. So it's, it's an incredible program. We're really excited about it. And so when people People um, see it from us as, as members. Um, if you sign up to our email list, for example, you'll regularly see us calling for nominations and asking people to vote. And it's it's the really great program that gets people involved in voting for the best green businesses and giving them an award. That's really cool. And I have a feeling that a lot of our listeners are going to want to get involved with Green America after hearing your interview. And besides just going to greenamerica.org, what are some of the ways that our listeners can get involved? Well, they can certainly sign up for our email newsletter. So we give people green tips and strategies in our email newsletter. We also send out actions two or three times a month that people can take part in uh, to help move businesses in a really green direction. Um, And we also give people a lot of other resources through our email newsletter as well. Um, They can also follow us on Facebook. Uh, Green America has a Facebook page, and so that's a great way to keep up with us. And finally, they can become donors to Green America. Um, for a small donation, um, you support our work. You also get a subscription to our magazine that I described earlier, The Green American, which has amazing uh, in-depth articles about the green economy and how you can get involved. You get our green pages with all those tips and strategies for living green and green businesses you can purchase from and our socially investing guide that helps people move their money in a really positive direction, all their investments in banking. So you get all that as part of your membership while supporting our work to work with the public to create a greener economy. Love it. Now, I know that, you know, we talked about your your grant program for small businesses, but you do a lot to help businesses of a variety of sizes and across a variety of industries become more sustainable. What are some of the ways that your organization engages with companies to help them on that sustainability path? Sure. Well, for the smallest companies, we offer them strategies to help them grow their businesses and to grow their markets so that they can become very successful green businesses. So these are the innovative green businesses. For larger corporations, we have a program called the Center for Sustainability Solutions that Green America runs, and we run working groups where the entire supply chain, so if we're dealing with food, for example, it'll be people from farmers all the way up to the largest corporations all get in a room together and work to problem solve. How can we reduce uh, GMOs? How can we enhance uh, more sustainable agriculture and moving towards organics? How can we create regenerative agriculture in the United States? And when you have the entire supply chain there, it helps to overcome all the barriers and problems that might exist. And everybody is working together collaboratively towards solutions. So it's really very exciting. 
Mm-hmm. That is such a great way of doing it. And it seems so logical, you know, get everybody in the same room at the same time. And yet I'm surprised at how um, that strategy eludes a lot of companies as they're trying to work through their supply chain issues to make them more sustainable. That's that's such a great service that you provide. How do companies engage with you? I mean, if, if one of our listeners or m- many of our listeners out there um, are in need of your services and would like to engage with you, what's the process? Well, if you're a, a small company and you're a green company, then you can certainly join our green business network. It's very affordable to join. Um, I believe it's under $100 uh, to be a member of the green business network. And then it goes up from there uh, for the smallest businesses. It goes up from there for, for businesses that have more employees. But And you can join and then that I get you access to in-member benefits of uh, information that we give out, webinars that we do, access to talking to other green businesses and networking with them as well. And then you can go through our certification program. And so we then have a rigorous certification program. And if you make it through that, we actually hold you out to the public as a certified Green Business Network member. And that signals to people this company is one of the leaders in being green and people can feel safe about buying from them. Mm-hmm. And Todd, I, I have to mention this. You know, a lot of our listeners are young adults. Um, some are college age, some are out there working. Um, and they, they want to work and live and spend their money in accordance with their sustainability principles. What advice do you give them um, as they're listening to the show today, if they're still choosing a career, if they're still, uh, you know, setting up a household, what advice do you give them as they're just starting off in this world? Well, now is a really exciting time to take part in the green economy because it really is growing so rapidly. It may not sound that way with our national politics, but despite what's going on in Washington, we're seeing huge advances in things like the solar industry and wind. We're seeing huge advances in organic and regenerative farming. And there's actually an introduction of more farmers into the United States. We're actually seeing an uptick in farming, uh, which is (laughs) amazing because we'd actually Mm -hmm. seen a decline in farming over the last 50 years. And those farmers are mostly millennials. They're people in their 20s and 30s. They're women. A lot of them are women farmers. Uh, There's a lot of people of color who are going into farming and doing it in these organic and regenerative ways because they know that that's where they're going to be able to sell directly to people like them who care very deeply about the land and they're, you know, want to actually do something that they feel proud of and they actually can make money at. And this is a, a direction that they're going in. So this is the perfect time to actually be somebody who's young, who actually cares about the planet, because the opportunities are really out there. Mm -hmm. Now, we have just a few moments remaining in the show. What are some parting thoughts that you'd like to leave with our listeners? Well, I think one of the biggest things is that a lot of times people feel overwhelmed by what's going on in the world, by what's going on in the news. And I think one of the things that anyone should feel and should take away is that you actually have more power than you think you do. You may think you're just one person, and you are, but if you are actually moving your uh, practices in a green direction, and you're talking about that with other people, with your friends, and you're using your voice with companies as an individual, you actually have a fair amount of power. And collectively, when there's thousands of us who are using our voices in those ways, 
we actually can really change the economic system in this country. And we know that's true because we already have. I mean, as we said, you know, we've seen the growth of uh, clean energy in this country. We've seen the growth of healthy food systems in this country over the last 20 years. We've seen people move back to um, really caring about what they're eating, caring about the water quality in their communities. And those people are really having a huge impact. So, um, Change really does begin at the local level. It does really begin with individuals who care. So never think that you don't have the power to influence things because you really do. That's such a great message, Todd. And I really appreciate um, what you and Green America are doing. Your website is chock full of very practical, very actionable items that our listeners can get a hold of and implement today. You know, I mean, sometimes we get the idea that, um, you know, it's just too much. Like you said, it can feel overwhelming. But the way that your website is organized and the way that your resources are organized um, it's very doable, and I just want to thank you so much for the work that you're doing, and I want to thank you for being on the show today for our 300th episode. Folks, we're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. So until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week.